Welcome to the March or Die show today. Glad to have you joining me. Looking forward to the conversation that we are about to jump right into. But I hope you're having a great week and uh, I really do look forward to sharing this time with you each and every week. I've got some exciting updates to share with you about the March or Die show in the next couple of weeks and uh, really looking forward to that. But today I want to talk about something that, um, man, it's so meaningful to me and I hope that it is to you as well. We looked at a verse from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 43, uh, I think last week or the week before, uh, talking about how God wants to do a new work in our life. He wants to do something brand new, and so often we need God to do something brand new in our lives. We're going to look at another uh, couple of verses from Isaiah 43 today, and what we're going to be discussing is not that God wants to do a new work, certainly He does, but that God, our Father, is ever present. I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about the presence of God. This is such an important thing for us to review, for us to consider, and really for us to get a hold of. We talk so often on this show about what it is to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. That's what we discuss all of the time. It's in the title, March or Die. And you know, if you've been listening to this show, this podcast for any length of time, whether it's me talking by myself or we have a guest on who's helping us to unpack some of these issues, what we're exploring, what we're discussing is the fact that in so much of life, it's easier to just give up. Uh, It's easier to die. There are so many people who are breathing, they're alive, physically speaking. In fact, they may be going about their business, doing their work, uh, doing the stuff that they're supposed to do. And if you saw them from the outside, you'd think they've got it all figured out. But they know if you ask them, if you pinned them down on it, are you moving forward in a meaningful way? Are you accomplishing anything? Uh, Are you happy with where you are in your life because of where it is you're going? If you ask them those questions, if they were honest, they would have to say, no, no, I'm not. What is that? Well, in many ways, that's really the essence of being dead. (laughs) It is to kick life into neutral to just go along, to get along, to just simply try to make it because it's just gotten too hard. Too much trauma, too much difficulty, too many trials, too much of the unexpected, these things that we discuss often. The decision is made because of all of those things and more to simply give up. We talk about that in contrast with the alternative, which is to march. Marching is great because you don't always know exactly where you're going to end up when you decide to march. You just know you're going to move forward. And you start putting one foot in front of the other. And if you do that enough times, you get to the place that you need to be. And as a Christian, we understand God takes us to that place. He guides our paths. He directs us. That's marching. Either one requires a decision. You don't simply give up without a decision. You make a decision to stop moving forward. But likewise, you make a decision to march, even though in so many ways it may be easier to just give up. I love coming to the Bible and understanding, or at least seeking to understand, God and His plan for our lives. I like the language of the Bible. In fact, we find in the model prayer given to us in the New Testament, uh, these words. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. He said this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, so here's an example, here's what you need to do, Our Father, 
which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. He, he says, our Father, which is in heaven. Jesus referred to God, the Father, often in that way as the Father. The Bible talks about God being our Father. What great language that is. We understand that. Although there are a lot of bad fathers in the world, a good father is one who not only has brought life into the world, but cares for that life as much as possible from birth to death. Parents precede their children in death so much of the time, but until the moment a father takes his last breath, he doesn't stop being dad. He loves his children. Not only does he love his children, but he does what he can to protect them, to provide for them, to guide and to direct them. And although being a father is difficult because kids don't always do what they're supposed to do, a dad, a father, will continue to do what he needs to do, that which is in the best interest of those kids. So when the Bible tells us to refer to God as a father, it means so much. One of the things that it means is that there is a presence. In fact, in our society, we talk about dads who are present. We'll say something like that. We might, in contrast, talk about dads who aren't present. We could call them dad, deadbeat dads or uh, dads who just aren't around, dads who help in the process of bringing life but then have no interaction or input into the child's life. We don't look on that favorably. We talk about dads who are present. Dads who are present in the lives of their kids, who are there for them, who take care of them, who help them, who protect them. Present dads. What we learn from reading the Bible is that God, our Father, is very present. We find this in the words of Isaiah chapter 43. I want to look at a couple of things with you. Man, it's so helpful to me. Because sometimes in my life, when I'm struggling to move forward, when I'm struggling to march, when I conclude it would be easier just to give up and to quit, some of the time, what I'm really struggling with is a feeling of aloneness. I feel like there are not other people in my life. If I'm not careful, I can also conclude that God is no longer in my life. That he's not present. Now I know he cares about me. I know that he loves me. I know that he has my best interest in mind. That is uh, me living the life he's created me to live. To bring him honor and glory. I, I know those things. But I don't always feel as though he's present. And when you look around and don't see people. And you look internally and conclude that God himself is not with you. It's so easy to say, you know what, it's just not worth it. Isaiah chapter 43. Here's verse number 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Now that starts, that gets us into this conversation, but it's on the heels of chapter 42. That's significant because the end of chapter 42, I won't read the verses to you, but the end of chapter 42, God is speaking to Israel and saying, you guys aren't even listening to me. You're not doing what I've told you to do. You're going a different direction. You deserve judgment. <laughs> and in chapter 43 and verse 1, 
the Lord says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because I've redeemed you. I've given you value where alone there was none. I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. I know who you are. You are mine. You talk about the imagery of a father. That's it. God who says, you're not listening, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, but I love you so much, I will care for you in spite of yourself. So much more I could say there, but I want to continue reading. Verse 2. So in verse 1, God said, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. I know who you are, and you are mine. He says this in verse number 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Verse 4, since thou wast precious, precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. He says, verse number 2, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they won't overflow you. And through the fire, you won't be burned. Why? For I am the Lord thy God. God, in this passage, Isaiah 43, begins talking about His presence. That He will be with us. And that's an important thing for a father to say, to say, I will be with you. But God goes one step beyond that. And in verse number 2, He says, I will always be with you. We believe God is with us in the good times, so He doesn't even touch on that. He simply says, when you're in the water and you feel like it's overwhelming you, I'm going to be there. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned because I'm going to be there. I am God. I'll always be with you. In Psalm 139 and verse 7, uh, the psalmist, kind of in asking a question, makes a statement, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee, uh, flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. What the psalmist is saying is what God says in Isaiah 43. He'll always be present. I love this. I think a lot about my relationship to God. I think we should all consider our relationship to God. But often I, I think about how I would expect for God to be with me when I'm doing what He wants me to do. When I'm making good decisions, when I'm listening, I would expect God to be with me. I believe God is with me. I feel as though God is with me when things are going well. But it's the times when I've made bad decisions or I've disregarded the Word of God. I've walked away from Him in the sense that uh, I'm not listening to what He wants me to say. I'm doing things deliberately that I know He would not want me to do. It's at those times I really 
don't feel the presence of God, and maybe it's because I don't believe he should be present in those moments. I I love this about the character of God. He says, I'm always present. Hebrews chapter 4, I love it, verse 16, we're told to pray, we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 if you haven't read it. But verse 16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. It gives us this, this picture, this word picture. When we are in need, we can go boldly to the throne of grace, to the place where our Heavenly Father sits. We can go boldly to that place. Isn't that great? Kids, they go boldly to their fathers. If the relationship is right, if the relationship is, is loving, then a, a child who needs something goes boldly to their dad. But this verse, verse 16 of Hebrews 4, doesn't end there. It says, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain, first of all, mercy, and then second, find grace to help in time of need. Now, we like to talk about grace. Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. It's a gift. We talk about having grace for other people. It's us treating them in a way that perhaps they don't necessarily deserve or they haven't earned, giving them something they haven't necessarily earned or deserved. That's grace. We love the conversation around grace. But when we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace, to come boldly to our Heavenly Father, we're told that, first of all, we will obtain mercy. What is obtaining mercy? Well, mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. We like grace because that's uh, God giving to us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us what we actually do deserve. I I love the imagery here. This verse is saying you need to come to God exactly how you are. (laughs) Now, this is not an invitation to disregard the Word of God, to sin, because God is obligated to take us. That's not what I'm talking about here. But there is an understanding that we don't have to be perfect to have a relationship with God. We just need a perfect Heavenly Father, and that is God. That we go to Him, not just when things are good, not just when we're asking for something we don't deserve, but when we really do deserve punishment and judgment. And what we will receive, what we'll obtain is mercy. When I think about the presence of God and the words that we read here in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they won't overflow you, and through the fire, you won't be burned. That's what I think about. When I'm at the lowest points of my life, whether I got myself there or someone else took me there or something happened that was out of my control, whatever the situation is, Just like the psalmist, I can declare if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, you're there too. You're always with me. This is such an encouragement to me. Because there are times when I don't necessarily feel the presence of God, but by faith I can take God at His word and understand He's God and I'm not. And He's always there. You can think of the example, and there's so many, the Old Testament example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know this story in the book of Daniel. They followed God. They lived for God. 
And when a pagan king told them they needed to bow down to him as God, they said no. And the penalty was being thrown into a furnace. A hot furnace. So hot, in fact, that the one stoking the flame died. It was that hot. They were thrown into that furnace. Nebuchadnezzar the king looked inside and said, we threw three guys in, but there's a fourth. On the outside, an advisor to the king says, it looks like the Son of God. The worst day in the life of those young men, at a moment when they were prepared for death, as they stood for God, He was with them. He's ever-present. We see as we continue reading, though, and I love this about this particular passage, not only is he always present, but his presence should drive away fear. Verse number 5 of Isaiah 43, Fear not, for I am with you. (laughs) He says, I'm going to be with you in the water, in the river, in in the, uh, the fire. But then he says, fear not. Why? For I'm with you. Don't be afraid, because I'm with you. Fear, it's been said, is the opposite of faith. I think that's a, an unwieldy definition, but it, it works. We become filled with fear when we take our eyes off of God, when we're no longer putting our trust in Him. And God here says, look, don't be afraid because I am with you. He says, I'll bring your seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I'll say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Psalm 27 and verse 13, again, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait I say on the Lord. It is in the waiting of the Lord, on, on the Lord. It is the anticipation of seeing Him. It is His presence that gives courage and strength. I think sometimes the reason we fail to move forward, we stop marching. Isn't necessarily because things have become so difficult right now, but because the future is so uncertain Fear fills our hearts. The fear of what might happen, what may be. God says, I'm present. I'm with you. And because of my presence, there should not be fear. Faith is, as I've said, it's taking God at His word. And then living our lives according to it. Living our lives as if God's word is true, because it is. Faith is raising our eyes, looking outside of the circle around us and looking to God that gives us hope. It's trusting Him. And when He's present, when He's with us, there's no need for fear. Again, understanding what it is to be a father, parenting, gives us such a clear example of this. The presence of a father in the life of a child drives away fear. A small child on their own, when they realize they're on their own, (laughs) and things start to go sideways, they can become overwhelmed with fear. But the presence of a father, a dad who walks into that situation, immediately removes all fear, and that child, with no strength of his own, becomes extremely courageous because dad is there. 
when our dad is present and he's always present, when God our Father is there, we should not experience in our heart fear. I love it. He's always present. That presence drives away fear. But then we see, finally, as we look at these verses, as we look to these verses, the presence of God calls us to witness. I love the language here. Verse number 8 of Isaiah 43. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. <laughs> this is great. If you go to chapter 42, and again, I encourage you to go there. He talks about the blind and the deaf. Here he's saying, if they're blind but they have eyes, bring them. If they're deaf but they have ears, bring them. Because I'm going to say something, I'm going to show something, and they're going to experience it. Verse 9, let all the nations be gathered together. Let all the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witness that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Here's what God says. I will always be present. That, fear, or that presence should drive away fear. And it should cause you to tell everyone else about me. That's the story of the gospel. And what we in the New Testament call the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was getting ready to go back into heaven to leave them in a physical sense. And he gave them a charge, but in verse 18, he starts out this way. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So he said, I've got all the power, all of it. Then he tells them to do something. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, I have all the power in heaven and earth. I've got it all. I'm leaving, but what I want you to do is to go into the whole world and tell them about me. Now, we had just said he's leaving. He gave them a relatively <laughs> impossible commission to go into the whole world. But he ended that by saying, and I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. I may be leaving physically, but I will be present with you spiritually wherever you go. He said, this power that I have over heaven and earth, the presence that I'm giving to you, it is to serve the purpose of communicating the good news of who I am and what I've done to the entire world. You see, the presence of God is extremely powerful. And I'm so thankful that God, who is our Father, says that He will be present. He'll be always present. That His presence should drive out fear, and it should call us to be a witness. The New Testament, Matthew chapter 14 we have a crazy story, and, and, and maybe you've read this story or heard the story. It's a crazy story. The disciples are on a boat. Jesus sent them 
out on the boat, sent them to travel to the other side of the sea, and he said he would meet them. Uh, I don't know what they thought he was going to do, but what he did was he walked on the water out to them. (laughs) It was the middle of the night. They saw Jesus coming. They thought perhaps it was a ghost. They called out to him. They recognized that it was Jesus, and Peter who sometimes did good things and sometimes did dumb things. He's a lot like us. He called out to Jesus. He said, if it's really you, then have me come out of the boat and walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter, to his credit, we like to beat up on him, but to his credit, he got out of the boat. And with his eyes fixed on Jesus, walked on water. Again, we beat up on Peter, but my question is, how many of us have ever walked on water? Peter did. Focused on Jesus, he walked on water. The storm swirled around him. The storm in the ocean, the storm in the sea. And it swirled around and it caused him to be distracted. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And when he did, he began to sink. He called out to Jesus to rescue him. But the reality is that God in the life of Peter never stopped being present. Peter began to sink. Not because God was not present, but because Peter began to live as though he was not present. And the lesson in all of this for us is even with the promise of the presence of God, a promise that we can have faith in and confidence in, we can live as though he's not with us. He is, but we can live without power, without direction. We can stay where we are, kick it into neutral, and die because it's just gotten too hard. Or we can trust Him, experience the peace and the motivation, (laughs) a little bit of the holy fear of His presence, and put one foot in front of the other and march. Because He's always there. I think when we talk about the presence of God, we talk about it in the context of march or die, it, it all comes down to a decision. We say this all the time. Will you march or will you die? The choice is up to you. I want to put it this way today. Will you experience the fullness of the presence of God in your life? Or will you not? He's present. Will you keep your eyes focused on Him? And put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward? Or will you live as though you're all on your own? The choice is yours. I appreciate you listening today and or watching. If you're listening, please make sure that you are subscribed. And better yet, go over to YouTube. You can find my channel there. Look for my name, Jeremy Stallnicker. You'll find my channel. And you can subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, make sure you are up to date with all the content that ends up over there. Also, take some time, jump over to jeremystallnicker.com. You'll find my uh, web page that has a blog, and it has all the other content that I'm involved in. Please go check that out. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next time. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? 
because together we can do this with mornings with jesus you can start your day in a positive way find hope through inspirational stories and scripture go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for mornings with jesus you can also download the abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com